When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When in Romance this week is brought to you by TBR. TBR is Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. If you've been dreaming of a stitch fix for books, now it's here. You can tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. If you happen to be doing some holiday or some Valentine's Day shopping uh, this holiday season, um, you might consider TBR for that. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Hello and welcome back to When in Romance, everybody's favorite place to talk about romance novels and people and things and stuff. You know, I'm eloquent like that. I'm Jess. And I am Trisha, and you are eloquent like that, Jess. <laughs> uh, and I think yeah, I think increasingly as we get now over a year into When in Romance, you're you're just absolutely owning it. You're owning all of the all of the many things that are great about When in Romance. I do what I can. And, you know, I just like to spread the love of That's all true. the things. Mm-hmm. Mostly and, books. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Uh, <laughs> although I was realizing earlier today that despite the fact that we are now over a year into this podcast, there are still a number of things that I don't know about you. And one of them is, I don't know if you have ever done an online book club. You know, that's a good question. Because... You can say that I have, and you can say that I haven't really, because there are so many different kinds of online book clubs. And I think if I haven't, I'd like to join one. Would you? I would. Uh, yeah, well, you've done ours, obviously, which is sort of online, sort of podcasty. Yeah. Um, I may have for you, Jess Pride, a recommendation, because <laughs> as it turns out, Reese Witherspoon just made an announcement and her um this is we're recording on february 6th late last week she made an announcement that her uh hello sunshine online book club pick is the proposal by jasmine guillory uh, who wrote the wedding date which we talked about a couple of times last year mm-hmm. and i i will admit i have not read this book but i'm very happy for jasmine guillory i think that's great I am excited for her. And uh, Trisha, have you done an online book club that does not include just basically tweeting at podcasters like our, our um, sort of online book club existed? No. And part of the reason I ask is because I don't really understand what an online book club is. So <laughs> I'm not sure. So it seems like I did a little bit of research. Um, and I will say, no, like, again, this is not this is genuinely ignorance. It is no shade at all. Uh, because the Hello Sunshine book club has nearly a million followers. So this mm-hmm. is, and this is not Reese Witherspoon's account. It's the Hello Sunshine book club's Instagram account has 946,000 followers. So obviously this is like a thing that people are very excited about. So again, mm-hmm. no shade in any way, shape or form. Um, but I, I wasn't really like, I didn't really understand what, 
happens. So I think they have an interview with the author. And I also think that people kind of maybe go on the Instagram and talk about it, sort of. I don't know. I'm not really, I'm not 100% clear. That sounds, I mean, that sounds like an online book club to me. Yeah. And I mean, Book Riot has done a couple um, on Instagram that were uh, live videos. Mm-hmm. So those have been actually, I've taken part in a couple of those. So again, a little bit of, you know, sample bias because obviously here we are representing <laughs> Book Riot. But yep. um, I will say I, <laughs> there was, I was reading through some of the comments on this um, posting about the new uh, Hello Sunshine book club pick. Again, the proposal by Jasmine Guillory. Uh, and it kind of, they kind of, the comments kind of made me want to read this book more because mm-hmm. a lot of them were, um, unfortunately not for a great reason, because a lot of them were, oh, I heard that this book, this month's book is no good. Everyone come follow my online book club. <laughs> and I was like, all right. What? <laughs> no one is like, no one is going to just go and think you, just because you're promoting your book club on this comment thread that I don't know. It just, I felt that that was a little bit low class. And so I am more inclined to read the proposal now. There you go. There you go. It's just like when somebody leaves a bad review and it's like, this book has too much sex and the heroine is too modern. And I'm just like, yes, thank you. I'll take Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. All in. Speaking of which, there was actually a little bit of chat on um, Book Riot Slack today about how apparently the proposal um, for folks who have not read it uh, has is not a book that has sex in it. Apparently it's a I think people said there's essentially no sex, um, which I will say does not surprise me because it well it doesn't surprise me as a this is, I guess, the first romance that has ever been picked by the Hello Sunshine book club. Mm-hmm. Um, and it frankly does not surprise me that the first book that they would have ever picked that is a romance has no sex in it because I think, you know, you ease people in a little bit. No pun intended. And I kind of, I will admit, I do have a little bit of mixed feelings about that because I, I think the extraordinarily skillful and intentional way with which so many romance writers um, do write consensual, um, feminist sex scenes is one of the best things about the genre, but mm-hmm. I also am not going to, you know, begrudge either the author or the book club for, for going this direction. And I understand probably business wise, it makes sense. Absolutely. And if this is the, if this is, you know, at least some portion of 900,000 people's foray into romance, then show them what the feelings are like so that the, oh, it's, porn in writing format isn't something that they say about every romance that they've read because you know that there are a lot of people who still have that concept and we won't go into that because we only have so much time Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) no i think you're right i think that if this can be a um way for people to start to understand and experience the genre a little bit who were wary of it before then that's even more to the good so uh, and actually, we'll, I think, be talking a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But uh, in the meantime, uh, congratulations to Jasmine Guillory and the proposal. Uh, and congratulations to everybody who reads it, because it's probably great. Absolutely. And I have read it, and I did enjoy it quite a bit. I will say I didn't enjoy it as much as the wedding date, but the wedding date had a fake relationship and a long distance and, and 
sex. Um, it had, so, it all of your trope tonight is what I'm hearing. All of the trope tonight. Uh huh. So, but that was that did not take away from my enjoyment of the proposal. So let me so let me ask you this because if people are in my boat, which is, um, so I will be honest, I couldn't. I've never been able to get into the wedding date, but I've heard that the proposal is um, pretty different, and a lot of people loved the wedding date. Could mm-hmm. could someone pick this one up and read it independently of that? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. It stands on its own. Um, it's it's nice to know the characters beforehand. Um, not even both characters. You meet Carlos, who's the her- hero of the proposal in mm-hmm. the wedding date, and it's nice to like already have that introduction to him because you sort of know what he's like and what he stands for, but you learn all of that again in the proposal. So it's totally a standalone book. There is no reason not to pick this one up if you're interested. Okay. Everybody let me know if you're going to read it. Maybe I'll read with you. (laughs) Um, So congratulations to them. Um, Jess, do you want to do an ad spot? Why don't I? So thank you very much for, um, to Shadow Mountain Publishing and Healing Hearts. As the only doctor in Wyoming Territory, Gideon needs the help of a nurse and maybe something more. Hmm. Mm. So he sends away for a mail-order bride with nursing experience. But when Miriam arrives in Savage Wells ready to work, she finds herself as the bride at an unexpected wedding. What? Yes. (laughs) She refuses to marry Gideon and, embarrassed by the misunderstanding, the good doctor offers her a job and romance begins to blossom. There we go. Okay. There it is. But Miriam has a dark secret, and they must decide if they are willing to risk their hearts for love as buried secrets are brought to life. Okay, so... I feel like somebody I know was asking for a mail order bride book recently. And here's one that I really want to see how it works out because you don't usually have, it's like, Oh, hired. Oh, we're getting married. Oh wait, we're not getting married. Okay. Um, so once again, that is healing hearts. Um, and actually I have to look up the name of the author because I did not do that. Oh, I pulled it up. It's Sarah M. Sarah M. Eden. Thank you. I found um, it. Yeah. Well, the reason I pulled it up is because my two big questions are, how poorly was the letter written that there was a misunderstanding? Like, how, what happened? <laughs> and then also, what is the secret? That's always my question. She has always a secret. A what is it? I don't know. Secrets, secrets, secrets. Uh, so yeah. if you're cu- more curious about that, you can um, follow Shadow Mountain Publishing um, on Instagram, Shadow Mountain Pub, Twitter, Shadow Mountain with um, M-O-U- N-T-N. Um, and you can also follow the author, Sarah M. Eden, um, on Instagram. She is just like me, Sarah underscore M underscore uh-huh. Eden. And on Twitter, Sarah M. Eden, all one word. And she's also on Facebook. So go check her, check the, her out. Check out the book. Once again, Healing Hearts. <laughs> I just got that. I'm a little slow tonight. <laughs> um, you got there. <laughs> and... <laughs> and thank you again to Shadow Mountain Publishing. Yay. Yay. So before the ad spot, Jess, you were talking a little bit about uh, a book that might help introduce people into the the genre of romance. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like one of the, probably the most prominent example of that that we've seen in the last 10 or 20 years is a little series that folks might be familiar with called <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. I think so. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe folks have been wondering what E.L. James is up to. 
funny story, she has a new book coming out. She has a new book coming out, and it has absolutely nothing to do with Christian and Anastasia Gray. Although it might, because somebody mentioned that um, one of the characters' last names shares a last name with someone in Christian's extended family. So it could be. But we're going to assume that it has nothing to do with Christian and Anastasia Gray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably not. But then this is another one of the questions that I realized that I, this is another thing I realized I don't know about you, Jess. I don't think I have any idea how you feel about Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't think I have any idea how I feel about Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm going to mm-hmm. do full disclosure. I did not finish the first book. Mm-hmm. I was probably in one of those moods when I started it. I borrowed a friend's signed first edition copy, so I did not throw it while I was reading it, but it was a near miss. And it wasn't the story. I was intrigued by this whole story. And I'll tell you, I made it through library school reading Twilight fan fiction, so I have absolutely no trouble with that. I learned a lot about a lot of things from Twilight fan fiction. Um, <laughs> we'll leave that where we'll leave that alone. <laughs> let's just leave it. Leave that there. Um, I had an issue with E.L. James's writing in particular, um, and the fact that she didn't seem to do any research on how Americans talk, and her um, Pacific Northwest characters were sort of from South London in the way that they spoke. You're from the Pacific Northwest. How often do you say laters, baby? Uh, Not only have I never said that, no one that I know has ever said that. Okay. I was just curious. I was was a little curious. That is one of the things that I know about you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Should that be our new when in romance sign off? (laughs) Something to consider. Something to consider. Or not. Um, I don't know. So I I got about 85 pages in and then decided to set it aside. I did see the movie. I think I might have even seen the second one. Um, Maybe. I think my mother talked me through the third one. She was watching it in D.C. while I was here in Arizona, and she was just telling me everything that was happening. So um, that's that's what I've got as far as Fifty Shades of Grey goes. Um, So I don't have like the worst feelings about it, but I don't have the best. So I'm open to E.L. James changing my mind. So will you read this book? I will at least open it. Okay, fair. Yeah, I, so you actually did the news post about this for a book riot. I actually did a follow-up post about all of the many questions that I have about this book because I have so (laughs) many questions about this book. Um, And we will link to that post. You guys can read it there. But one of... One of the things that I actually, I don't think I mentioned that post because it was more of a, you know, humor piece than anything else. One of the things that I didn't mention there is, will the writing here be better given that this is being published? So I I can't, you may have said this explicitly, I'm not sure. Fifty Shades of Grey started out as Twilight fan fiction Mm -hmm. and was independently published before it was picked up by a publisher. Mm -hmm. So... E.L. James, in fairness to her, did not have the benefit of editing in the way that most books that sell this many copies do. Mm-hmm. So, which is not, I mean, nobody needs to cry any tears for E.L. James. She's doing fine. <laughs> However, fine. yeah. However, this book, I mean, this book caught fire. Like, so first of all, this fan fiction caught fire, and then this book caught fire. And it would have been sort of awkward to go back and change it and cut out, I don't know, 
200 of the 450 pages or whatever, because they were, you know, like to, to make those major changes would have been a little bit awkward. And mm-hmm. so anyway, all of that to say, and actually I think she was fairly far through the series before she got picked up by a publisher. But again, what part of what I will be interested to see is as a storyteller, she, there are some really interesting things about her. So I will be very interested to see if paired with a publisher, she is able to kind of, I'm hoping that they'll be able to kind of bring out what is good about her storytelling and mm-hmm. help her kind of tone down some of the things that were not strengths about 50 shades of gray. So mm-hmm. I, so I read the first book. I saw at least two of the movies. I think I saw three. I reviewed at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think my feeling about that series is it is not the romance that I would go to for anything. It is mm-hmm. not, or erotic romance. We should make that point. It's not the erotic romance that I would go to for anything. It's not honestly the erotic romance that I would recommend to anyone, frankly, mm-hmm. for anything. And also, I can appreciate that it did bring people into the genre to find books that I think are better written. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it launched a million think pieces by people who have never read a romance in mm-hmm. their life, which I may not ever forgive that book for. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. You made actually an interesting point about what one of the things that it maybe did for erotic romance. It it definitely sort of brought it to the forefront and open, it opened some doors. There are a lot of people who we can thank E.L. James for, for like showing publishing and mm-hmm. showing authors who maybe didn't go the traditional publishing route, that they had a readership and that we could sort of, sort of read things that didn't have to be quite the, the, what's the word the the more sanitized contemporaries that we were getting uh, um and that we could we could do something dark and sexy and that we could have we could explore some of the the subcultures of all kinds of love um and you know 50 shades of gray has a lot to do with that if if it hadn't sold as well as it did, there are so many other erotic romance authors who might not have the careers that they have today. And that's awesome. I will tell you that because there are some books that I just tell everyone about and want people to read. Also, you know, gotta love the covers with the one item on them. Those are still fun. Oh, yeah. I think we talked a little bit about that maybe when Rebecca Weatherspoon was on. Um, yeah. Do you have, so if you, if you were going to point people in the direction of some of the, um, erotic romance that maybe got a lift from the tide of 50 shades of gray, are they, I mean, Alicia Ribe comes to mind for me, um, uh, and Alicia particularly her earlier time, um, like gentlemen in the streets. Um, and, oh, we were just talking about this book yesterday and I can't think of what it's called. I'll come back to it. Um, um bedroom games. Definitely. Bedroom games for sure. Yeah. Um, 
Are there other authors that jump to mind for you? The we didn't talk one, about this before, so if you can't think of them, <laughs> then I'm a jerk for, for asking. <laughs> absolutely, Trisha. Goodness. Um, the, the first worst. one that comes to mind, though, is Sylvia Day. Like, oh, the, sure. the Crossfire trilogy just, like, caught fire. And a lot of people were like, this is Fifty Shades of Grey, but better written. And I actually sort of got Crossfire fatigue because I read too many of them in sequence and never finished the series. Um, maybe I should do that because I think I have books four and five just hanging out on my Kindle waiting for me. Um, but, um, of course, then we also have to talk about some of the really unhealthy relationships (laughs) that also came out of this whole tradition. Um, and Gideon Cross is definitely half of one of those relationships so it's it's give and take it's like really great writing with fascinating people but oh my gosh we hope they don't exist in real life kind of things mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and i don't think i even came anywhere near the gideon cross so i will i will happily sit on this side uh in ignorance um <laughs> yeah sylvia day is an interesting comparison because i remember so as you know i live in dc and i remember seeing ads on the metro for mm-hmm. the Sylvia Day Crossfire books as Fifty Shades was was blowing up. And I feel like there was even a little bit of like passive aggression in that <laughs> I think Sylvia Day wrote her books at roughly the same time. Mm-hmm. And people, I mean, this is not what the ad said, to be very clear. This is not what they, but it was sort of like a, yeah, these are the books that should have been popular. Like <laughs> you all made your choice, but this is why we like the direction you should have gone. Um, but anyway, and Glutton for Pleasure was the name of the uh, Alicia Rye book that I was, uh, I was trying yes. to come up with. So yeah, that one um, is a joy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I mean, I think you, you are absolutely right that there has been uh, a very much a door opened for erotic romance that uh, would not have been without these books. So whatever other, you know, qualms people might have about them or, yeah, you're 100% right. The writing is not great. The editing, she could have certainly used an editor. And my mm-hmm. hope is that, again, that this next book will have some of that. Um, and I think... Just very quickly, we did want to make passing mention, um, and we'll do. I'll do a quick content warning for folks. Uh, we're we're going to discuss a, a piece that got published um, a week or so ago that uh, is related to sexual assault and uh, sexual assault of minors. And so, if that is not a thing that you are uh, comfortable listening to, just skip ahead five minutes or so. We're I think there's not a lot that needs to be said about it, so we'll make it brief. Um, but you know, you and I kind of, and I think it was you in a very intelligent way linked this to the um, erotic romance discussion in that Frolic Media, who we've talked about once or twice on the show, I think they may have even, you know, sponsored one of our episodes a while back, mm-hmm. published a piece middle of last week or so, I want to say late January, this is February 6th, um, by an author that it was... So there is an R. Kelly documentary out right now that is very uh, clear about the degree to which R. Kelly sexually assaulted and terrorized young black girls, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the author who wrote this piece in Frolic, it came, it was down off of the site before I kind of was aware of this conversation. So I guess to their credit, they did take it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but enough people had seen it and taken screenshots and... Um, it there was th- my sense is uh, that the premise of this article was about how 
the story of R. Kelly was very similar to uh, many of the taboos that are written about in romance Mm -hmm. and that a lot of the ways in which these relationships were degrading and um, abusive Mm -hmm. uh, are the kinds of things that some people read about in taboo romance. So that's kind of your general gist. I think the very clear and very immediate response from so many people in the romance community was the the huge, giant, enormous, important difference is romance is fictional. Mm-hmm. And when you present it as if it is not, or when you make this comparison, when you conflate these two things, you are minimizing at best the pain of these young girls who were abused by this person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think, you know, it was at frolic to their credit I, I guess apologized on their twitter feed um the screenshots that i saw were in courtly milan's twitter feed I'll, I'll link to it um in the show notes and they replied actually to that twitter feed and apologized and then she replied and said okay what steps are you taking and my sense is that there was not a response to that they did issue an initial apology in their twitter feed um in late it was january 29th but I haven't seen anything since. Uh, so that's not great. Yeah. I, their initial response, I don't know if it was the apology connected to Courtney's thread or if it was just one on the top of their own Twitter feed, was that they were revisiting their editorial policy. Um, so I don't know what editorial policy they had in the first place, and I don't know what's come out of it, but they're the newsletter that came out following that one had absolutely zero inklings of any response or reflection on the previous newsletter. I opened that newsletter expecting something at the top saying, we messed up mm-hmm. and we're sorry mm-hmm. and we're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. But instead they just went on as normal. And I I really like Frolic Media's content. Like I think they're approaching it in a really interesting way and I hope that this was just like a big misstep whoopsie do like somebody didn't actually look at this article before it went up. But yeah. I can't say that that's actually what happened because somebody had to have looked at it and the author wrote it. The author herself who wrote this piece is an erotic romance author who writes semi-taboo, not quite that taboo, Mm -hmm. like definitely not like grown man and minor woman, Mm -hmm. minor girl. Um, But, you know, darker side, lots of duologies, which actually bugs me a lot, Um, but we won't go into that. Um, We'll we'll pick a different hill to die on today. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, she is coming from a place where she can relate something to something else, but these are not the things that you relate to the type of things that you like to read or you like to write. And I mean, yeah, yeah, the apology, again, I guess, credit where it's due, they did take it right down and they did issue an apology, but it's kind of a passive voice. It's come to our attention that we published something that could have used closer inspection. (laughs) Um, 
We appreciate the feedback and we'll be back here soon to discuss. But again, that was January 29th on their Twitter feed and here would suggest their Twitter feed and soon would suggest mm, within a week, I would think. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. A long story short, I guess the story is fiction is not the same as real life. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. There's there are certain levels of fantasy that we we go to when we're reading because we acknowledge that we are reading something that is fantasy that has nothing to do with our actual lives and nothing to do with any person in existence right now or their that, safety or their safety. So, yeah, that's that's actually kind of the reverse kind of think piece compared to what 50 shades of gray has inspired over the past near decade um because mm-hmm. those were all like obviously everyone's into bdsm now let's see what they're doing and this is mm-hmm. like the reverse of that and it was just it was even though i didn't get to read the entire article the bits that i read were kind of like an internal shock to my entire system so hopefully everyone on that end is rethinking their lives and their approach to understanding things. And we will get some kind of response and be able to move on from this. Um, maybe, maybe have a touch of forgive, not forget, but we'll have to see after what the response is. Yeah. And I think you're right. Frolic has in the past has a great, has had a great reputation of being very inclusive in their coverage. They've had a lot of really wonderful, um, romance writers of a lot of different backgrounds writing for them. Um, so hopefully, like you said, this is a thing that we can, you know, that they will recognize some mistakes, make some changes and move forward. Absolutely. And in the meantime, I will do another ad spot and we will, we also will move forward. So let's do that. Uh, this episode of when in romance is brought to us by never let go by Elizabeth Goddard and rebel books, which is a division of the Baker publishing group. The case may be cold, but things are about to heat up Mm. forensic. uh, I know, right? Forensic (laughs) genealogist Willow Anderson is following in her late grandfather's footsteps in her quest for answers about a baby abducted from a hospital more than 20 years ago. That is where the forensic genealogist part of this comes in. Mm -hmm. When someone uh, makes an attempt on Willow's life to keep her from discovering the truth, help will come from an unexpected source. Ex-FBI agent and Willow's ex-flame, of course, Austin McCade <laughs> readily offers to protect the woman he never should have let get away. Together, they will follow where the clues lead them, even if it means Austin must face the past he spent much of his life trying to forget and put Willow's tender heart at risk. We have so many secrets in today's ad spots. All the secrets. I know. Yeah. Uh, so... This book is currently available. I did, again, I definitely checked to make sure that this one was also available before I, you know, did this ad spot. Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's a fast-paced and emotional page-turner. Best-selling author Elizabeth Goddard keeps the stakes high, the romantic, the romantic tension sparking, and the outcome uncertain until the very end. So a uh, little bit of romance, a little bit of romantic suspense, if you will. Uh, <laughs> so you can buy it now. We'll have a link to the show in the show notes, or you can buy it wherever books are sold. So thanks again to Never Let It Go and Elizabeth Goddard for sponsoring today's show. Thank you indeed. All right. So uh, I was going to say maybe we're now moving into happier news. Oh, no, we are. 
We are. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> we, we later have a little bit more bad news, but for now, we're going into happier news. Yay. Happy news. Yay. Um, so if, if, you, if you read kissing books or happen to follow The Ripped Bodice on uh, Twitter or Instagram, you might know that they recently started a new Instagram account called Ripped Bodice Rare, and they are sharing specialty rare and used romance novels from The Ripped Bodice, and you can buy those books. They are looking at, you know, some of some of the oldest category romance novels. Um, just looking at the page, we've got, hey, hey, look at this. Laverl Spencer's Morning Glory. What? <laughs> if you happen to want that an original come back around, copy, everyone. <laughs> um, and you know, books as recent as Jennifer Cruzy's Maybe This Time, um, and some really like you just have to look at these for some of the covers that are on the, these books. Um, and like I said, they are selling these because rare book dealing is just something else that they can that can make them even more awesome um and you know rare older romance novels are still hard to find um just in general because the people who still have them still have them and the people who don't have probably passed them through the family, taken them to used bookstores, donated them to places that take older books, um, or they just got pulped. And the books that were published earliest were not good quality paper. So they were really easy to just lose and and they would just be dead. Um, so the ones that they have on their Instagram are all in really nice shape. And I am really sad that I am just a poor worker bee um, because I would start gathering these up like crazy. Um, yeah, I, you know a lot of things about libraries and books, and I didn't know the thing about the paper. I don't know. I'm so glad to be on this podcast with you, Jess. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, well, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's just like another way for them to contribute to the romance community, which is a thing that... They certainly didn't have to do, but they just seem so excited about it, too, which they is very did. fun. Um, and you and I talked a little bit about not so much rare books, but older books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a couple of recommendations for folks in a few minutes. But in the meantime, you mentioned that you have a lot of them on either your e-reader or wherever that you haven't read. And I have a few that I have also not read. And I there's... <laughs> I have a couple of reasons why, but I would be interested to hear your reasons first. Well, I mean, the first, the first and most prominent reason is the whole, um, the second half of the Jessica pride story. The first half of the Jessica pride story is I have it, but I haven't read it yet. So there's always going to be that just because I have, I am a very bad person with collecting and not, doing anything with it so part of that is just like oh look i can get this um moonstruck madness book that i've heard about that was published in 1977 for a couple dollars on kindle i'll buy it and eventually i'll read it but there's also this whole thing where i started reading romance in my early teens and i can look back on the books that i read earliest mostly jude Devereux books that do not hold up 
And I'm sort of afraid of falling into the Kathleen Widowist kind of old school romance and not like, obviously, if it's not doing anything for me, I can set it aside. But I sort of have these lofty ideas of like classic, classic romance that I want to, I just want to check out. So I'm, I'm probably subconsciously going past those books as I look for new things to read. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think, yeah, the, the aspect of we as both a culture and also kind of as a, I don't know, I think I would like to think as a romance genre in a lot of ways have, um, I don't want to say evolved because that sounds negative in terms of the way that I think some of these books were probably written, but in other ways, some of them were probably written in a way that could use a little bit of evolution in terms of things like consent and feminism Mm -hmm. and sensitivity, sensitivity to all different kinds of people. Um, And so I think I get a little wary of some of what I might find, Mm -hmm. but there are examples of uh, books that are actually, uh, you know, on the older side, 20, 30 years old that are wonderful. Uh, And Jess and I were talking about, you know, what books we might recommend this week. And I kind of said, is there a way that I can recommend both Indigo by Beverly Jenkins, which I am reading now, and also Morning Glory, which, as I will mention in a minute, was recently re-brought to my attention. Um, And we decided we could just tie it in with rare books because they're maybe rare, but also you can get them both on your Um, Mm e-reader. They're older. (laughs) One of them was published in uh, the late 90s. That's Indigo. The other was published in the late 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I will make those recommendations make recommendations for you. Man, I'm so excited about these books. I can't even discuss them. <laughs> so Good I will with start you. with um, my older recommendation, which is Morning Glory, which Jess just mentioned. was. And as you know, we were doing the podcast, I was taking a look at the uh, Instagram page. That one sold very quickly on the mm. Bodice Rare page for only $15. <laughs> I feel like they could have charged a little more and been Probably. okay. But you know what? I know nothing about bookselling, so far <laughs> be it for me. Um, <laughs> but so this book, I have to give all of the credit to Vanessa North, who, um, well, and, Re- and Rebecca Weatherspoon, because Rebecca Weatherspoon put out a wonderful sort of, probably the most delightful Twitter question and thread that I have come across certainly in 2019, maybe in longer, where she just asked people, what is your favorite romance novel? And it was the most fun. And I will make sure that I do a link to the whole thing in the show notes. But Vanessa North responded and said, it's definitely a liberal Spencer novel, but I can't decide between Morning Glory or Twice Loved. And I read Morning Glory, gosh, probably three or four years ago now. And I don't know how I forgot how much I loved that book. And mm-hmm. Rebecca Weatherspoon responded and said that Morning Glory, I will not use all of the words because we are trying to not be an explicit podcast, but it had a very <laughs> deep impact on her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we had a, a quick conversation. But here's the story of this book. So it takes place, it starts in, um, there's a prologue that happens in like 1917, 1919, something like that. But the actual book starts in 1941. So this is right sort of at the dawn of World War II. And there um, is this guy, Will, who has just gotten out of prison. He um, had killed a woman, and there is more to that story. You will Mm -hmm. learn about it. But he is very much in a tough situation. He needs 
to find a good option to get some help or to just he's been working, but every time anybody finds out about his record, he gets fired. Mm -hmm. So he finds out that this woman has posted a classified ad for a husband. It essentially just says, I need a husband to take care of my house. And everybody in this town that he's nearby is making fun of this woman. They uh, think that she is mentally unstable, although they do not use very nice terminology for that. Um, Mm -hmm. She has two small children. She's expecting a third, but her husband passed away unexpectedly. um, Mm -hmm. And she is definitely an outcast. She um, was raised essentially as a shut-in because her mother was unmarried. And so her grandparents didn't want anybody to even know that she existed. So she has, she's a social pariah. She, um, but she has this property and this farm and it, she needs somebody to keep it up so that she can, you know, live and raise her kids. (laughs) And so the two of them, they have this sort of relationship of convenience that turns into a marriage of convenience. And over the course of the book, they, fall in love and they realize that each one of them is exactly the person that the other one needed and it, it, a lot of things happen at one point like he has to go to war i don't know i'm not going to get into all the details but it's very uh-huh. moving and even in the first couple of chapters she realizes he hasn't eaten in a couple of days and so like she's cooking for him and he's fixing ladders and i don't know it's very nice so Aww. um yeah it is very it's kind of a sort of historical epic takes place over a number of years, um, kind of a book. And it's really, really lovely. There's, you know, like I said, just this very slow build of a relationship. There's no insta love. There's like Mm -hmm. none of that, but they're both really lovely, compelling characters. Uh, so you should definitely find morning glory by Laverle Spencer and Laverle is spelled L a capital V Y R L E. So respect. I think that's like the coolest name ever. Good job. (laughs) Uh, and then the other book that I was reading over the weekend, I just finished like an hour before we started recording this podcast. And fortunately I stopped crying before we needed to record because happy tears, thankfully. However, uh, Indigo by Beverly Jenkins is another, and both of these books are very much sort of classic romance canon kind of in a way Mm -hmm. definitely both of these authors are but i might have even morning glory i might have even found on the npr list of 100 best romances of all time indigo might have been on that list also if it wasn't indigo is maybe the best known beverly jenkins book out there Mm -hmm. um but it's about a, a woman named hester who escaped slavery but um was raised well for the first few years of her life um on an indigo plantation and so her the palms of her hands are stained by Mm. indigo and so um she the opening of the book is she's working um as a member of the underground railroad helping runaway slaves um or enslaved people to have a safe place to be while they are making their way usually to canada she's in michigan Mm -hmm. um and it's very hard to even figure out which of the many facts to include in my description of this book because I learned so much about so many things while reading it. Um, but she ends up helping to care for um, the Black Daniel, who is this notorious, um, notoriously famous, like very helpful, important, major conductor on the Underground Railroad. Um, but he is in very bad shape and needs to be cared for. So she takes care of him and... Then about 20% of the way through the book, he leaves Mm -hmm. and then some time passes and things change and he comes back and it is 
very satisfying. <laughs> this book had so many elements of kind of a Jane Austen style book. It has a little bit of a Cinderella story in some ways. Um, and there is so much American history in it. I mentioned to one of our Book Riot colleagues earlier, I learned more about American history just reading this book in, you know, than I did probably in most of my years of formal education. Um, and it was so much more fun. So it's really fun. It's a little steamy, heads up, but it is absolutely <laughs> worth reading. It's so, so satisfying. Both of these books are just really, really satisfying in the fullness of the story. So find Indigo by Beverly Jenkins and Morning Glory by Liveral Spencer. They are both on the older end of uh, romance that we tend to talk about here, but they're both very much worth the read. And, you know, like just you talking about them, no, I did not add them to my Amazon cart while you were talking. Um, I mean, as whatever. much as I considered it, uh, because I'll, I'll be honest, the, both of those books are expensive enough on Kindle that I would just buy them in print. Um, and neither See? one is available at my library. Oh. And um, you mentioned that about Indigo, and it's like $6. Yeah. And, you know, that's not high. I just right. have, I have. I have limits that I have to stick to no, when it comes to fair. Kindle books. Um, actually, when it comes to most books. But those both just sound so warm cup of tea. Like, it's just like, I don't know if you noticed that both of them are about sort of a caretaking relationship. You probably mm -hmm. did because you notice these things when you're talking about things that are similar. Um, mm -hmm. And... That's definitely something that I need right now. So maybe I will add them to my cart later tonight. Yeah. And they, um, the caretaking goes both ways in both situations. Oh. Um, so yeah. And I think, uh, and the reason I mentioned the price of Indigo is because somebody, I think it was you asked if it was one of those really expensive, because there are some really expensive Kindle books and, um, mm -hmm. as Kindle books go, $6 is not that high. Sometimes no. as romance goes, $6 can be a little bit high. So anyway, um, I'm sure there are used copies out there for folks who are looking for those. Yeah, and One way or another, find your it, way. It's on par with other Beverly Jenkins Kindle books. So if you've bought Beverly Jenkins Kindle books and you don't have this one, you might as well add it to your collection. Um, it looks like a nice enough book that I would like having it in print. And it's only yeah. like $12.99, I think. Um, nice. So, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's definitely one that I would return to. So, um, unfortunately, we have to close our show out just with some unfortunate sad news, but sad maybe, news. maybe like a glimmer of hope with sad news with a glimmer of hope. I like that. Um, so if you did not hear, uh, the love swept imprint, um, is closing. They, uh, did like, it took a while to actually make an announcement, um, but there were sort of whiffs of it online and they are, if you don't know, aren't familiar with the Love Swept imprint, they are a digital first um, mm -hmm. imprint from Random House or Penguin Random House. I, yeah. Random House Group. They're, since they're such a conglomerate, I don't know how to refer to things that are just given to Random House in like, press releases and stuff fine. um it's so they are winding down they say in 2019 um so they've still got some books coming out in the near future 
um, but they are probably not going to take any more on or announce any more um, books. And we haven't completely heard about what's going to happen with the authors who um, primarily publish with Love Swept. Um, but, you know, they they have... They, they should have some options. Um, I was particularly... Um, shocked because i was i was shocked at the initial news because um raised by roan parish is not out yet and i was worried that it wasn't going to make it through production but then further news came out and it wasn't that they were just shutting their doors like a couple imprints we've seen there they're still continuing to publish what they've said they will um but it's still it's sad sad news because they put out some good stuff although they are probably the farthest behind um as far as publishing diverse titles as pu- as far as publishing like new and different kinds of stories um which isn't their fault it's nobody's fault and there are so many romance authors that they are publishing the things that their readers read so um but yeah, so that's sad news for Love Swept and for the authors who currently publish primarily with Love Swept. But we'll see if there's some in-house um, shifts that happen. Maybe we'll get an announcement in six months that Random House is opening a new imprint. You never know. Well, and that's I think, <laughs> I think that's kind of the interesting thing, right? That Berkeley, which is another Penguin Random House um, imprint, uh, published the kiss quotient published um the proposal which we talked about earlier mm-hmm. published intercepted and fumbled which we've talked about by Alex martin before and so i wonder in some ways if they're just kind of changing the equation of how they uh sell and market books because as you mentioned love swept is digital only mm-hmm. um, and because they've only confirmed to media sources and have not actually as far as I can tell, and I did actually do some searching, they have not issued their own statement. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit hard to tell exactly what they're doing and what the plans are. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, one of my favorite books from last year, uh, Thirsty by Mia Hopkins, was a, um, is a Love Swept title. Um, and my hope is that there are sequels to that that will come out from Love Swept as well. But if they don't come out from there, I'm sure they'll come out from somewhere. And so, um, because I am so excited about that book and because you have been looking for a good excuse to read it, Jess, we made a decision. We did indeed make a decision. So everybody get ready because as mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we have a book club and (laughs) it's, that's not quite online as we say. It's, it's, it's kind of an online book club. We just uh, don't have the organization that some others do, but we are going to be reading thirsty as our next book club pick. And I am very excited about it because it gives me an excuse to read it again. And it gives me the chance to read it for the first time. So I feel like two weeks is a pretty good amount of notice, Jess. Do you feel like... Actually, I should ask you because you are the one who who is going to read it. Should we discuss it in two weeks? (laughs) Why don't we discuss it in two weeks? And why don't you all tell us what you want to discuss over the course of two weeks? I imagine by the excitement that Trisha has that it is not going to be an easy book to put down. So unless mitigating circumstances disallow us we will probably all be done in the next two weeks 
I would certainly think so. So today is the uh, 6th of February. If we're, actually, we'll, we're recording a day early. So we'll probably be recording the 20th, 21st, something like that. So if you mm-hmm. have thoughts before that, send them our way. Um, you can send them to me on Twitter, at Trisha Haley Brown, with no O. Uh, or on Instagram, at Trisha Haley Brown. And you can send them to me at, on Twitter, at Jess's Reading, or on Instagram, at Jess underscore is underscore reading. You can also always comment in our show notes. Uh, we always catch those. It sometimes takes me a week or so, but I do try to, to try, try to get to most of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're one way or another. You can find us and let us know what you want to discuss about Thirsty by Mia Hopkins, which we are very excited is our next book club pick. Uh, if there's anything else that you have thoughts on or ideas about or feelings, I don't know. Is there anything else people should be telling us, Jess? Tell us what you want. We got, um, well, I think, Trisha, you also got this email. Um, We got a recommendation for a list of books to check out after we talked about a list that was a little too white. Um, And that was um, the the reading list that is put on by Reader's Advisory Librarians at ALA, um, the American Library Association. And in January of every year, they put out a new list of genre books. Um, and I'll send Trisha that link so that she can add it to the show notes. Um, and that, I knew that it existed, but I honestly forgot. And thank you to the listener who pointed it out to us. Um, and, and I didn't know that existed. And if I got that email, I apologize because I missed it. But now I'm very excited to read it. <laughs> Speak, talk about adding things to your TBR. No, I'm uh, very excited about this. Yeah, it might have just come to me. It's from Megan. So thank you, Megan. Thanks, Megan. All right, well, that'll be in our show notes, too. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so there's a lot for everybody to feel like we gave people homework, but the most fun homework (laughs) ever. You're welcome, everyone. You are welcome. Uh, Well, hopefully uh, you have a little bit of fun reading and whatnot over the course of the next couple of weeks. And we're excited to talk to you soon. We are. So between now and then, please do not do the um, romance think piece drinking game. We want you to live. Be safe, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) No dying. Valentine's Day is coming. Be careful. (laughs) Um, And happy reading. Happy reading, everybody.